The Common Vegetable was written by Dave Windes and is performed by Charlie Sellers. All hail the potato, the beetroot, the bean, the broccoli. Be in raptures for the radish. Take pleasure in the pumpkin. Cheer on the shallot, the cabbage, the capsicum and cauliflower. Rejoice at the arrival of a new crop. Blissful for this blessed bounty of the land. For out of the earth they have come. Out of the earth we all come. And to the earth we shall return one day. Merge back as waves to the sea. All life depends on Mother Earth. She is the basis for everything. Our happiness and sadness. Our love and laughter. Our loathing and loss. Our fury and fun. Artichokes and anger, peppers and pleasure, turnips and tears, garlic and guilt, tomatoes and temper, fava beans and fear, dill and disgust, lettuce and lust, pak choy and pain, grapes and grief, broad beans, belief, spinach, self-hate. Even the most intelligent of us depends on food. Intelligence can't survive without the sustenance and nourishment that is given to us by Mother Earth. The whole play of consciousness goes on thanks to our soul provider. Our soul provider. Do we survive to eat or eat to survive? Eat to stay alive or eat to thrive? Charm the chicory, romance the rutabaga, embrace the endive, or endure the eggplant? Simply stomach sprouts, have contempt for chives. I only have questions. I don't make the answers. I don't want to be a bitter melon man. We all belong to the earth. By making a union with all of earth's offspring, we form a union with earth's consciousness. We are one. (laughs) That's a lot of weight to put on a sack of spuds. For years, I did not know where the food that I ate comes from. Didn't want to know. But then I started to hear it. Someone made me consider it. It made me think about a lot of things. The screams as we pulled radishes from the earth. The true cost of food. I suppose I've developed an unhealthy obsession with vegetables. My name is Dacon. I am aware that I'm being encouraged to consume at least five servings of ethically sourced fruit and vegetables every day. I'm aware that cardiovascular diseases, diabetes and some cancers can be prevented if I ensure my fruit and vegetable intake is adequate. That I can increase my resistance to infectious diseases if I do as I'm told. But some nights I fall through the door in the early hours of the morning and I couldn't give a stuff about all that. I reach for what's there. What will get me through the night. I take comfort in the comfort of my familiar friends. Besides, that pepperoni pizza has peppers on it too. The pasty's not short of potato. That pot snack has dried stuff in that rigid polyproline pot that, when rehydrated with boiling water up to the fill line, might pass for vegetables of sorts. No, I don't mind stepping on the fast-moving treadmill of snack food innovation. Mind you, I might gorge on a gherkin or polish off an entire jar of pickled onions. But I'm more likely to bolt down broken biscuits, pick my way through a packet of processed cheese, or, ta-da, turn to the takeaway. Taking solace in the meditative moment after I've dialed in my order. When I'm sitting on the sofa, staring at the ceiling, waiting for the delivery. 
cooking is a chore. At that time of night, I mock the World Health Organisation, the World Obesity Federation and the Foundation for Local Food Initiatives. I spit on the Soil Association. I just want to stuff my face. Put it away, chow down, make a pig of oneself. Taking care of myself is for some other time. Don't look at me like that. We're all the same. I've never ordered food from the takeaway and regretted it. Until the morning after the night before. I fell in love with a market boy. With his rows and rows of bright red tomatoes. Sweet, soft, subtle and sometimes bitter leaves. Lettuces, cabbages, pumpkins, radishes and beetroots. All kinds of chilies, An entire spectrum of colour. Some strange, exotic objects that he encouraged me to handle. It all looked so lush. And so did he. A masculine beauty. He had hands that clearly worked the soil. I was desperately attracted. Aphrodite to this young, cheeky geezer wide boy. He had all the banter, the chat. Is green cool warts and broccoli. Come buy my radishes. Is fine savouries and ripe hot boys. Get yourself a bunch of young carrots. Is fine nosegays. Ripe strawberries with ready pickled salad. Is cauliflowers and asparagus. New prunes for no more than a pound. Let none despise the merry, merry cries of this market boy in town. Iceberg lettuce, two for a pound. Here you are, here you go. Iceberg, two for a pound. Come and get your ice bags. Large bags of seedless grapes for a pound. Seedless for a pound. Last bags for a pound. Look at the size of me Mary Pipers. Nobody's got any as big as mine. As for my Jersey Royals, the Whoppers. What's not to love? He taught me so much about so many things. There was something deeply human and joyful about him. And his array of local produce. I'd never even made food. Never felt that satisfaction. Never known the creative possibilities of cooking. I had limited funds. It's easier to pick something up from the freezer centre to whack in the microwave. Still, there he was. And here I was. And here goes. Do you want to come round and I'll cook for you? And he did come round, and he brought all the right ingredients. There was something about taking care of him that made me feel better. An experience of accomplishment. He had close links with local producers. He spoke with wisdom about sustainable livestock, food and healthy diets. And he told me how supermarket food was disconnected from the soil. Intentionally so. It was made that way to draw a consumer veil over the whole messy business. He had been brought up on a farm full of misshapes, mistakes, misfits. Raised on a diet of non-uniform veg that others would dismiss. Oh, they'd say, we don't look the same as you. We don't do the things you do. But we grow around here too. Oh, really? I swooned. He explained that we don't have to abide by the rules of the food police. Supermarkets had captured the food market by constructing a demand by telling shoppers what they ought to prefer. That they could trust them and their hygienic, shrink-wrapped, sticker-tastic packaging, declaring finest and that everything was free of chemicals and dirt. He looked me in the eye and asked me what I thought of dirt. Whether I'd ever considered that dirt was a guarantee of authenticity that connects our food back to the earth. 
Ja. Ach, seit. Ja. Ja, it is. You could reestablish your relationship with other living things. Yeah. I said. Yeah. Yeah, I could. His carrots were filthy, he said, and his turnips. He didn't have anything to hide. His mushrooms were mucky and he wore that grime and mud under his fingernails like a badge of honour. I looked at him. He looked at me. Could feel him staring deeply into my soul, searching to see if I really was reconsidering my food choices. I wondered if he could see that I was also desperate to establish a relationship with this living thing weighing me up. He could. One day, dozens of children will sit by my feet, looking up at me, all wanting answers. And I hope, by then, I'll have found the way and that we'll have created a better world for them. I've already picked the names. It's a way of celebrating what the earth offers us. A way of paying the debt that we owe. So, here's to the birth of aubergine and bean. Pea and pepper, kale and okra, pinto and ginger, gem and yam. Tiny Bellotti, lima and cannellini. And lovely little Mays, who will run free and run me and market boy ragged. And thrill us with their ability to be better at buying food being responsible and liberating their souls in the process. (laughs) It's funny what lust can do to you, what the release of oxytocin can do. A short history of vegetables. There are vegetables, like your long-term partner or lover, that you take for granted. The potato, for instance, which is a constant in your life, which has just always been there, just is and always was. The most essential crop of Europe, interwoven with the history of the world, the not-so-humble spud story began around 350 million years ago when they started to evolve from the poisonous ancestor of the plant nightshade. The noble ladies of Europe used to pin potato flowers in their hair. In the mid-1800s, the entire potato production of Ireland was destroyed. One million people died. Others were forced to emigrate. Exploration, famine, war. The potato has been through it all. The carrot, a 5,000-year history. Domesticated in the ancient fields of Iran and Afghanistan, it quickly crossed continents, was embraced in Egypt and China, then Europe, before Dutch botanists used selective breeding in order to pay tribute to the ruling House of Orange, producing the Dacus Carota that we recognise today. In ancient Rome, the Emperor Tiberius demanded he eat cucumber every day of the year. They may well have fallen out of favour with the decline of the Roman Empire, but the Age of Discovery saw Christopher Columbus take cucumbers to Haiti, and from there they spread to the rest of the world. Tomatoes, 2,500 years back to the Aztec Empire. Garlic, 9,000 years of stories and medicinal use. Beetroot, back to the Middle Ages. Onions, back to the earliest days of mankind. Vegetables of all shapes and sizes are tied to the very birth of modern human civilization. We lay side by side on his allotment, looking up at the stars as Market Boy told me all this, considering our place in the universe, wondering whether anyone else was having the same conversation as us right now. We came to the conclusion that they were. In middle-class households, people were debating their ethical choices. I was glad we'd bumped into each other. We were clinging to the surface of the planet as it spanned through space at a thousand miles an hour, held only by the mystery force of gravity. 
we had no intention of falling off. He asked me to dance, and I laughed, and we danced. And as we walked around, he whispered in my ear, care, love, pleasure, anxiety, choice, convenience. The connection between the life-giving act of food production and the social act of eating and appreciating the value of our daily bread has gone. He dropped to his knees. Give us this day our daily veg and forgive farmers their debts as we forgive duped, confused, overwhelmed consumers. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil of a few large retailers, for theirs is the kingdom and the power, but not forever and ever. Amen. We looked over to the tower blocks in the distance. Market boy told me he had friends there, which surprised me. Just when you think you know someone, they throw a curveball. No, over there there's city farms, there's reclaimed wastelands, parsnips the size of my forearm, a growing band of locavores making things a little different around here. And they all know their food's provenance, about equalities in access to healthy food, and they're shaping nature so that it shapes them. Yeah, things are a little different around here. Food's just become a commodity, he screamed. There's food insecurity on a planet of plenty, he hollered. And what about the food miles, he yelped. And the exploitation of farm workers. And the, and the, and the, he was spitting. He spat out another one. Why are you so detached from food production? It's time for citizen consumers to fight back, reconnect. He was angry. He was in a rage. I didn't like it. I couldn't get a word in. I wanted to tell him about the problem of being on a low income. There'd been days when the only option was cheap meat. That when I had potatoes in, by the time I'd reached in the cupboard for them, they'd sprouted. That most of the veg I'd eaten in my life had come out of cans. It didn't matter how much I was persuaded to eat differently, or how much I read about diet-related ill health or the fair trademark caught my eye. I couldn't do anything. Food divided the classes. Trust me, he said, you can empower yourself. Food's at the very heart of our humanness and our humanity's at risk. Shouldn't be absent from the culture it's connected to. Eating well is not a commodity. It's a human right. Look, look up. We look back at the stars. It's a beautiful thing if food is grown by those who consume it or if farmers cut out the middlemen. You and I come from up there, you know. And you? And you now? Everything we are and everything in the universe and on earth comes from stardust. We're directly connected to the universe. Food, body and soul. All that floating stardust finds its way into the soil and into plants. And from there into the nutrients that we need for everything we do, think, move and grow. Okay? Okay, but there's no need to get so angry about it. It was the end of summer. It was getting cold. We stood up. We put our collars up. I shivered. He went to put his arm round me, but I moved it. He walked me back home and then went back to his place. He had an early start on the market, but to be honest, 
I'd had enough for one night. I didn't see him for a few weeks. Then one morning I opened the front door and found a message from him attached to a bag. I can't remember what the message said. Sorry, hun, or something. But I'll never forget what was in the bag. I'd never seen anything like it. It was a miracle. A green miracle. Or an alien life form. A gift from the stars. A psychedelic marvel. The trippiest veg I'd ever held in my hands. A Romanesco broccoli. It even sounds bloody brilliant. It is bloody brilliant. A fractal work of nature, uniting the worlds of mathematics and vegetables with its complex geometry. Buds branching off into smaller and smaller buds, all similar in shape to the first bud. Like Fibonacci numbers. You know, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34. Every number the sum of the two that preceded it. I held the Romanesco broccoli up to my face, stared closely at its texture, its tightly packed pointed lime green florets. I could have kissed it. I wasn't sure what else to do with it. I put it on the worktop in the kitchen, looked at it, put a comforting hand on it, smiled, licked my lips. I had to look it up on the internet. Sauté it slowly with garlic and lemon zest and punctuate with red pepper flakes for zing. I wasn't any the wiser. Zest and zing. I steamed it, threw in some red wine vinegar I'd liken at the back of the cupboard. And it tasted as good as it looked. Like cauliflower, but nuttier. And earthier. Definitely earthier. And as I chewed my way through it, I thought about Market Boy. And was suddenly hit by the finite nature of every relationship I've ever had. The short time scale. The small story arcs, that everything comes to an end. That sometimes others are here to remind us that we're okay and that we're going to be okay. And sometimes they're here in order that we let them go. Of course, he tried to win me back. Gave me books about micro-politics of the food-purchasing decision-making process. Sent me links to stories on Huffington Post about the real impact of food production by humans on our natural environment. Set up a direct debit so I could receive regular organic venture boxes. Pointed me in the direction of dozens of farmers markets, community gardens and co-ops. Would text me crazy questions in the early hours of the morning. What is in food? What is missing? Why is the power in the hands of food distributors? Have you even considered the geographies of plenty and scarcity? You had questions? It looked for me to make my own answers. I knew I was complicit in the disgraceful distance of miles my food travelled. Don't you want to live in a world of plenty, where there is always more to go around? It was all very interesting. It was all very FYI and AAMOF. I'd text back LOL and TTYL. But I never would talk to him later. It was too late for that. But food for thought, all of it. It did change me. I was wiser. But I was motivating myself. Cultivating self-love and happiness on the allotment that was me. Reaping satisfaction during me time. Planning my own plot as I harvested my blossoming attitude. I genuinely felt as if I had myself. Burst through the soil and into the light. And he was a market boy. 
a smart one, but he'd probably always be a market boy, a common vegetable. What he really loved was being on that stall and sourcing his produce and shouting, Quince, pumpkins and squashes, rhubarb, swede, Swiss chard, come and get your Swiss chard. From mid-spring to early summer, the bounty of summer, the harvest months, through to the warming taste of winter. He was a seasonally sorted sort. And we had our own mouth-watering lives to lead, our own ideas to propagate, and there was little for us to preserve. So we split, as if we'd been in need of better growing conditions, but neither of us had been prepared to dig in plenty of well-rotted organic matter. The earth, we know, has enough for everyone's need but not enough for everyone's greed. We are rooted in our relationship to other living things, the cultural and religious significance of everything, our buying and sharing and social relationships. The next time you pull a radish from the ground and hear it squeal, know that it is trying to tell you something, trying to tell you something that you already know, that we have all always known. But somewhere down the line, we put that important part of our innate knowledge to the back of our mind. It's time to move it to the forefront. Give a woman a box containing carrots, parsnips and cauliflower and you feed her for a day. Teach her how to work the land and not only do you feed her and her family for a lifetime, you change their relationship to every other living thing we share the planet with. And we all get to live happily ever after. All hail the potato, the beetroot, the bean, the broccoli. Be in raptures for the radish. Take pleasure in the pumpkin. Cheer on the shallot. The cabbage, the capsicum and cauliflower. Rejoice at the arrival of a new crop. Blissful for this blessed bounty of the land. For out of the earth they have come. Out of the earth we all come. And to the earth we shall return one day. Merge back as waves to the sea. The Common Vegetable was originally commissioned by Invisible Dust for their Surroundings project. This podcast has been produced by Photo Moments. My thanks once again to writer Dave Windess and actor Charlie Sellers.